So you are going to have to look at it as a business on a positional basis and effectively where you're going to choose to mandate if that's what you want to do as a business. And, and by the way, the big, the, the, the elephant in the room in all of these discussions are if you mandate, are you going to be able to staff your positions? This is Mike Andrade, and you're listening to the Solving Healthcare Podcast. Today, we are going a little bit from our normal script and interviewing Henry Perlowski. Henry is a practicing employment attorney, and today we're going to talk about a few things. COVID, should you or should you not vaccinate your employees? And also what you should do as a business owner and employer with the Biden administration taking office. If you've not thought about how this can impact your business, you should. Uh, Henry recommends a few things that you should absolutely consider as a normal course of doing business in the new normal. Welcome to the show, Henry. Dude, you cued the music. That was perfect timing. That was perfect, right? I'm now I'm now turning the ringer of my cell phone off. <laughs> Fair enough. So, Henry, um, can you just for the audience, just very briefly, uh, tell us what you do and how long you've been doing it? Sure. So Henry Perlowski, I'm a partner with Arnold Golden Gregory. We have offices in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., practice all over the place. I'm the chair of our employment law team at the firm. So I help counsel employers, management, occasionally executives in all forms of employment matters. Uh, also handle disputes in the employment front from disputes relating to competition, terminations, wage and hour issues, um, really, really running the full gamut. Um, and I've been practicing since 1993, longer than I would care to admit. Um, and I've been at Earl Golden since 1995. Wow, you're pushing the 3-0. Indeed, uh, yes, practice. it's yeah. getting close. Now, I graduated college in 93, so being in when you say you've been doing something for 30 years, you're like, holy crud, that's, that's 30 years. <laughs> yes. Yes. I am having those. The, the, that awareness is, is acute. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it can, uh, well, it's rewarding as well. Um, so last, last time we talked, you, you uh, were spending a lot of time presenting. Uh, in this case, it was about just pandemic preparation. Now the pandemic has yeah. been going on for almost a year. Um, what do you what do you find yourself doing a lot of right now in terms of uh, employer questions that you're getting asked? Sure. That you're handling? So one thing's pretty specific, and then one thing's general. So let me give you a high an overview of both, and then we can dig deeper, Mike, on on either of or both of those issues. Sure. So on a specific uh, specifically. Probably since mid-December, we've been dealing with a lot of questions about what employers can and can't do with respect to the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of clients in the healthcare space that question's very acute for them. Um, And I would say that it's also acute for businesses where you actually have to interact with people. So, you know, law firms, you know, in large part, you know, if I have a cell phone and a computer, I can work anywhere. That's not true for people in the, say, the airline industry. You know, United Airlines CEO, probably about three weeks ago, was a very strong proponent of we're going to try to mandate that our employees get the vaccine. 
because in businesses where they want to restore confidence that, you know, for people to actually come in, think of retail, think of restaurants, healthcare, they can't avoid. You actually have to have patient resident contact. So those businesses were getting a lot of questions about what, what you can and can't do with respect to the vaccine. Now, can I ask you a clarifying question on that? Because what, sure. what I've heard you say is that the question that we get is, can you require employees be vaccinated before they can return to work? Yes. And what I've heard you say is, it depends. There is some level of uh, need in that if you are, uh, if you if you have to serve the public, in this case, healthcare is a great example where you really can't provide healthcare in, in most cases without having some level of human interaction. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. So. That's right. And, and so there's a lot, so there, and, and again, this is probably at a high level, but let's start with that. Yeah, yeah. There is no law, basically, the, the EEOC is the predominant um, regulatory body that's going to get involved in this issue. Um, no government agency has come out and issued a blanket statement that says vaccine mandates are lawful. It's more, they're going to issue, there's going to be issues about when are you going to run into problems by mandating the vaccine? And the, there is guidance on this, historical guidance in the context of things like flu vaccines, mm-hmm. where you know the EEOC has taken the position that a blanket mandate, like you must get vaccinated or you're fired, in a blanket sense is unlawful. Now that the EEOC has not issued definitive guidance under the Biden administration. There was guidance that was issued in late December, mid, mid, mid December of last year, where it basically said that the EEOC said, we have no problem whatsoever with a voluntary vaccination program. As long as it's voluntary, we don't see any concerns, mm-hmm. high level. It did not say mandates are unlawful. If you have a man, and I'm saying mandatory, and I'm probably putting that in air quotes, Mike. If you have a mandatory policy, you probably need to have outs whereby you're considering exceptions for employees who have legitimate disabilities. Mm -hmm. Where, And I'm not talking about an, an employee goes to take the vaccine and the, admin, and, and the entity administering the vaccine says, we're not going to even let you take it because you, you know, you've answered yes to certain questions and we just can't give it to you. Um, if employees have health concerns about why they're going to take the vaccine or not, you actually have to vet those. Um, same thing with sincerely held religious objections to the vaccine, where you as an employer would have to vet those sincerely held religious ex- beliefs. There is e- you know, negative EEOC authority that says you don't consider religious objections and you have a problem. So you have to have a process in place if you are going to, again, air quotes, mandate the vaccine to vet these exceptions. And if you do that, you can have a pretty restrictive policy in place. Now you're gonna have to, again, consider in these positions, do, d- does this group of employees really have 
you know, customer contact, patient contact, contact with other employees. If somebody's just working at home, then a mandatory policy as to them probably doesn't make sense. But let me ask you, so the case of my wife, she's just highly opposed to having any type of vaccine and okay. probably would be on the side of she'll dig her, her heels even further if it's mandatory, right? Okay. Um, so it's not, it's not a religious thing. It's just her belief that she shouldn't introduce foreign objects into her body that okay. voluntarily or you know what I mean? Got um, it. Yeah. So what, 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 uh, I'm sure that question has come up. Um, yeah. But how it, do you, yeah, go ahead. So I'll say this at, at a federal level, a person who has a philosophical or let's say it's even a political objection, that's not protected at the federal level. What is protected is a sincerely held religious belief. And by the way, as an employer, you can ask your employees to go ahead and submit documentation. Like, you know, here's get a letter from your church that supports the fact that this is the, the belief. You can vet it. But so again, federal law, there is no protection for philosophical or political. Now at a state law level, some states, not all, like not mine here in Georgia, but some states have public policy based wrongful termination claims. And usually, usually, Mike, those are based on lawful off-duty conduct. Mm -hmm. So it really kind of depends on, you know, could you force somebody to get the vaccine on, on their off-duty time? Um, so you would want to vet that from a state law perspective, depending on where you were located. That it is po it's possible that state law could come into play, although it's maybe not the neatest fit in what most state law, what state law typically protects. Right. Well, I guess with that being said, then uh, going back and maybe recharacterizing re what I what I said, and let's use the airline as an example. It's that the airline's going to have to determine whether or not the positions that face the public, if whether or not they should have some type of policy, whether it be voluntary or mandatory. And it's really not whether or not the EEOC could say that's legally, um, uh, you can support it legally. It's just saying we're not saying you we're not saying it's illegal, um, but they would have to say with each position within the within their company which ones they may have to have a mandatory policy or not. Is that is that fair? I think you have to look at it on a position by position basis because, for one thing, if you by by asking people to get the vaccine, they're necessarily going to be asked certain information about their personal health, mm -hmm. conceivably even genetic related information. So those inquiries typically have to be job related and consistent with business necessity. Um, if you're gonna try to make the argument that someone who's not vaccinated is more dangerous, right? Than someone who is who has been vaccinated and there's a direct, for example, there's a direct threat of exception to having to provide disability accommodations. You're gonna probably have to look at that on a position by position basis because you're, you're uh, using the flight using the airline, your flight attendant is gonna be a heck of a lot more acute than someone in your airlines who is just working in back office, mm -hmm. right? So, the, so you are going to have to look at it as a business on a positional basis and effectively where you're going to 
choose to mandate if that's what you want to do as a business. And, and by the way, the big, the, the, the elephant in the room in all of these discussions are if you mandate, are you going to be able to staff your positions? Because there, as you noted, regardless of whether, whether it's your wife or I think I heard something from Governor DeWine of Ohio when he was asked something is like only 30% of the population in Ohio was like running, you know, to the front of the line to get the vaccine. There was still a lot of resistance. And even in New York City, where the politics you might expect to be, you know, different than Ohio, I think Mayor de Blasio said that they were only looking at like a 60% willingness to take the vaccine. And, and, and maybe that changes over time as people get more comfortable that there's not been, you know, a lot of significant side effect problems with the vaccine. And as you see, maybe the fact that numbers are going down, and there maybe is a little bit of a follow the leader mentality that you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be early in the process. You want to get, get more information over time. Um, so we'll see. But I mean, there's still a big picture problem of staffing. Are you going to be able to staff the positions that you need to have staffed? And is there like a, uh, a an understanding that for somebody in your in your role, uh, being able to sit down with a client saying, okay, let's go through each of the positions and let's come up with a, a hierarchy or a plan for what you may or may not want to do, whether it be voluntary, uh, strong suggestion or mandatory. Uh, is there, um, short of hiring a, a, an attorney of your caliber, Henry, um, is there like a general litmus test that you could follow that would be defensible or is it? Um, you know, there really isn't a general litmus test. I mean, you really have to look at your kind, your, or here's what I would say. If someone is not facing the public mm -hmm. and, or is not a significant employee contact, if you're allowing positions to work from home or persons who are on leave, things like that, you probably need to stay away from a mandatory policy as to those positions. As to the ones that are customer facing or employee facing, you really need to ask yourself, is it essential that, that these folks have the kind of contact they have? If they do, then you, okay, that, that you got to put those, those positions in a different bucket. Mm -hmm. If it's optional, that may be different than mandatory. Yeah. You know, you just really, you have to kind of have the we're going to look ourselves in the mirror and give ourselves honest answers. You know, we have some gray hair, so to speak, on, you know, with respect to these. Right. Me too. You got I can't see it, but me too. Right. I mean, you have to have those. You, you want to be in a position where you can justify why you're making the requirement. Yeah. And, in and good faith. But to be clear, Henry, the difference between selling an essential worker with, with healthcare versus, you know, somebody that's in a restaurant, you know, that that's even though they're public facing, those are entirely different questions you need to answer in terms of. Yes, that's right. right? And so the, the, the healthcare worker might have a very strong, compelling case for why it's either mandated or strongly suggested, but a restaurant worker, nothing, you know, there's nothing at all saying it's not important to have those positions, but does an individual really need to present him or herself to a restaurant? And, is it, and so the, the, the need to have a mandatory policy, to me, it, it, it's, if, if you're going to have a decision to do that, you, you would be now, better off 
as a healthcare worker to have some type of mandatory. Yeah, I will. I will say that the that the businesses that mm-hmm. seem to be leading the charge in terms of the ones that we're talking to or looking at mandatory policies, it, it's because the pandemic is really acute to their industry. Okay. I mean, where it's healthcare, it's things like you know airlines or the the equivalent of it's it's businesses where if if they don't have people doing stuff live soon or 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 the pandemic has been so acute in terms of its impact on that industry it's those businesses that are talking more about the mandatory policies you know i'm thinking also, bit, in terms of uh, i'm sorry to cut you off Henry, but in terms of like manufacturing and health excuse my language but but uh, there's been a few articles about many of the meat processing places just not having safety measures in place. Right. And I'm assuming that those are may not be percolating to your attention, but they're definitely. Uh, well, here's and, and that goes to the other part of, of what I was going to say. The other thing that's keeping us that we're talking about a lot, we're giving clients a lot of guidance on is. And I'm saying this in a truly apolitical sense. Mm-hmm. The Biden administration is going to be much tougher on certain employment related violations in the Trump administration was. The agencies are gonna be much more active. They're not gonna look, they're not gonna wait for things to be placed on their desk to do something about them. So if I was a business like the ones you were talking about and hopefully no one is doing, uh, what was it? I guess it was Smithfield in Iowa where the plant manager was engaging in an office pool about who was gonna contract COVID next. I mean, let's set aside the crazy, the outlier scenarios where you have truly bad actors. Right. But if I'm a business, I'm say I'm in manufacturing, I'm in healthcare, I'm really looking at my OSHA programs and I'm making sure that my I's are dotted or my T's are crossed because the idea that the OSHA is not gonna be proactive and it's going to be reactive. I think that changed as of January 20th. Yep. You know, same thing with wage and hour issues with respect to teleworking. You know, just because someone's working from home, your employer obligation to capture their hours and their time accurately, that hasn't changed. Right. So you have hourly non-exempt employees working from home as an employer, you better darn well figure out how to capture their time correctly and how to vet or how to have processes in place that make it difficult for somebody to say later that they were underpaid because of uncaptured time. Those those issues, the the current administration is gonna be much more active than the prior administration. Um, You're on on issues like uh, suppressing employee speech and efforts to communicate about material terms and conditions of employment. That implicates the National Labor Relations Act, even if you have no unions. That's going to be a much a much more significant point of emphasis under the new administration. You know, typically speaking, even in cases of like, you know, OSHA recorded deaths at, say, long-term care or nursing homes, hospitals, OSHA was basically coming in, looking to see if you had a technical violation and kind of giving you a slap on the wrist. I mean, the slap on the wrist may be may have corresponded with like a ten thousand dollar fine, but it wasn't anything more than that under the Trump administration. Wage and hour disputes—they were trying to settle, settle, settle. They weren't really being active in litigation. They were trying to settle without, you know, double damages penalties. All of the kind of 
favorable enforcement actions or, or policy initiatives, that's going to go by the wayside under the current administration. And you've got to, so even with respect to non-COVID issues, but certainly with respect to the COVID issues that I mentioned, mm-hmm. it's going to be, the, the price of being wrong is going to be higher and the chances that you're going to be discovered are higher because there's going to be more proact- proactivity. So uh, Henry, with that in mind, um, and also um, being mindful of your time, um, you've said a few things. One, we're talking about obviously started with COVID, but the second um, is, is really just boning up on your OSHA policy and procedure guidelines. But in terms of like the, the three things that, or maybe it's more or less than three, but what are those, the, the things if you haven't done in a while as a business, you really need to be focusing on because you're going to have higher scrutiny, there's less tolerance for error, and there's going to be more um, likelihood that with the new administration, they're going to be looking for problems to, um, to address as opposed to the prior administration. Does that make sense? Yes. So, you know, definitely you want to look at your OSHA program and make sure that you are complying with all of the specific requirements applicable to your industry. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're mandating masks and this is a, this sounds silly, but if you're using N95 masks, those are respirators. You actually have to have a respirator program under OSHA. You know, do you have your appropriate um, indications that certain people who are using PPE have been medically cleared to use those that form those forms of PPE. Do you know when you have to report something to OSHA that's COVID related? You want to have all those ducks in a row now. You know, from a wage and hour perspective, as I mentioned earlier, you want to be sure that you have really sound policies in place that put the onus on your employees to tell you when they believe that their hours have not been captured. Have a process in place to vet that. Make sure that everyone knows what's compensable time. Make sure that you have policies in place that people can't change time that was entered, you know, absent going through HR or legal. You know, you want to have certain practices and, and policies that are in place that make it more difficult for your disgruntled former employee to just say, I worked an average of 15 hours of overtime for a week and I was never paid for it. You proved now you employer go prove the negative. You know, so it's it's those kinds of things. You know, if you have your vaccination policies and programs, make sure they're vetted for the kind of the exceptions that we talked about. And you have processes in place to do that. And just knowing that, again, it's I'm saying this in a completely apolitical sense. The, the, the climate of being wrong, it's just going to be more difficult for the next four years, regardless of what you think of that politically. Yeah, it's not, yeah, not meant to, I understand, no political bias uh, right. expressed during this conversation. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Henry, thank you. Uh, I always love uh, having you as a guest because I learn something every time we talk. So I appreciate your pearls of wisdom and uh, thank you so much for your time. But if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how do they do that? 
Um, they can go to our website, hg.com. Uh, just look me up, Henry Pulaski. Uh, my email is henry.pulaski, P R L O W S K I, at hg.com. H-E-G, cool. Thanks, Henry. Thanks for everything, bud. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Good talking to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Solving Healthcare. If you like this episode, please rate it and also provide your comments. If you would like to know how this service or others could fit within your organization, or if you'd like to sign up for future podcasts and news updates, please go to www.solvinghealthcare.net and click on contact.